tell you about Indian and Cowboy? Just explain what it is? Indian and Cowboy is an independent... Uh, it's, it's, a lo- it's a lot of things. I... Indian and Cowboy is an independent indigenous media media network that that doesn't like it's it's <laughs> there's a lot of things we're gonna do I I I should have written this down Indian and Cowboy is a website it's it's a platform it's it's an indigenous podcast network committed to telling indigenous stories for the world to hear guided by our ancestors driven by community and fueled by the love of the land <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna do this again. Hold up. It's 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 a celebration of story. Indianandcowboy.com is a is a platform that celebrates indigenous stories. And our stories are our nationhood. And our nationhood is our sovereignty. And that's what Indian and Cowboy is. Welcome to Otpem Suasquewa Kitsigisigog Meti in Space. Chelsea Valnitzigason. Molly Swainitzigason. Mantusakagnik Nitotsin. Oh, Tusquanagnitotin. Yeah, welcome to Wow to Wow to Wow to our season finale. Season finale. Yes. It's our 10th episode. 10th episode. We started from the bottom, but we're here. <laughs> the 10th episode, now we're here. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and a new a new season shall begin. Who knows when, but when let's just wrap this like one it. up. Yeah, let's just, get this, <laughs> let's just get this biz done. Exactly. We started this back in August. Do we want to talk about why we started this also? Sure. I think let's, we should. I think we should. Okay. Uh, so I'll tell my side of the story first. Oh, oh, oh. Excellent. Okay, yeah. I'm going to cover my ears. Hold on. Just give me a second. Okay. okay. It's a mm-hmm. secret. It's okay. Go ahead. Uh, So basically, um, summer 2014 was a bit rough on everyone, I think, and things were really intense, and Chelsea and her man were home alone, and I was getting like three calls a day being like, we're grumpy and lonely. Would you come over and hang out with us? And I was like, well, I'm underemployed and have nothing to do. So, okay. Uh, And then one day Chelsea and I were like, you know, be awesome because we're such nerds and we just hang out and drink a lot of wine. We should just put together some kind of podcast because we both want to start podcasting and it should be called Métis in Space and it should be us drinking wine and talking about science fiction and being big nerds. And three days later, we recorded the first episode. The legend was born. Yes. <laughs> That, that is our origin story, yes. uh, at least from my perspective. Chelsea, what's your perspective? Uh, I don't remember it that way at all. In fact, uh, I don't know what Molly's talking about. Mm-hmm. I remember waking up in the middle of the night as though struck by lightning, and in fact, thunder, thundered. And I was sitting bolt upright when this incredible idea came to me. Uh, I think what had actually happened is that I'd been transported from my future self into my present self, and a voice spoke unto me, saying, Thou shalt! Create a podcast, and thou shalt call it Métis in Space. Space, 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 space. And so I called Molly, and I listened to to the voice, because it was clearly the voice of my future ancestor. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously. So it wasn't so much that you were pitiful, missing my kids who weren't there, and lonely, had nothing to do, and were avoiding writing a book. No. Yeah. No. No. no it, it wasn't about procrastinating. <laughs> no. Or pitifulness. It was actually no. a voice from, from the, future. the future. Yeah. Oh well, there we go. Uh-huh. There you go. That is our origin story. Ah, wow. Cheers. That's really good. Cheers. <laughs> All right. Mm. So, uh, yes, I think with that, we should um, introduce the wine for tonight. Oh, my God. We went, (laughs) like, this is next level biz. We are both a bit kind of beyond. Like, rosy cheeks are happening this evening. It's Um, because it's 15% alcohol this time. Yeah, and fancy biz. Oh, yeah. It's so fancy. Like, the bottle isn't even normal wine bottle shaped. Yeah. And it's opaque. It's, so, like, you can't even see the goodness inside. You can only imagine. And then you put it in your mouth and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Delish. Mm-hmm. Um, check our Twitter feed for a picture of the bottle in case you want to uh, spend way too many buckaroonies and join us. Um, or spend way too many buckaroonies on us. Hey. Which we'll talk about later. Yes, we will. We will. All right. So, tonight's wine is a vin rouge, as always. It is an Amarone de la Val. Val- Policella. I don't know. It's a, it's a, I don't even, you know, with this thing has so many names on it. I'm not actually sure. It's very text heavy. What it's called. It's a very text heavy design. Like, I don't know where, where is the, a bit is that where it's from? And is that the name? Whatever. It, it's got it's a, a word. It's, it's got letters. a beautiful M. So I'm, I, yeah. you know, Montresor. Or I don't know. Molly. Molly, yeah. right? Or Métis. Yeah. Uh, so it's got like five different names. And uh, it's a 2010 from Italy. Uh, après les vendages, les raisins sont conservés à l'avri et dessèchent naturellement à l'air pur. C'est venu des couleurs rouges. Connaissance et le bouquet rappellent les pêches et les raisins des Corinthes. En bouche, on perçoit des saveurs persistantes des fruits de bois et des réglisses. Il a grandi tellement des plats goûteuses et savoureuses, en particulier la parmesan et les autres fromages bien mûrs. Basically. Yeah. Um, but really, it's just really good. Yeah, You're just for, for the whole time for, going, mm. yeah. For those of you who don't know French, basically it's like, I am so delicious, you're going to drink me really fast and not even regret it. Yeah. yeah. Not, not regret it Not at even all. slightly regret there it. There we go. Uh, so yeah, basically it's a very high-end wine this mm. evening um because in case you didn't know we are some high-end ladies that's right we treat ourselves right on sunday evening <laughs> <laughs> okay that's cool you want to talk uh, about kimmel yeah so we're in kimmel on <laughs> i know that's we're in kimmel but it's fine we're yeah. not freaking out about no it no big deal no big deal no, uh just, you know we're just published in you know the same, the same thing, thing as, as like scumanati and leanne simpson and barrowness and no big deal no big deal yeah no we're totally chill about it and basically, like, we just want to let you know as a totally chill, objective thing mm. that mm-hmm. Kim Wan is super awesome. And you and should check it out. Not because we're in it, it. You know, no. but not because no. we're not in it. And not either. because they did an issue on indigenous futurisms <sighs> that has pieces authored by some of the greatest and coolest people that we could possibly imagine. And not because there's like uh, an indigenous futurism like mixtape that RPM put out. No. No. Not for any of those reasons. No. No. And also definitely not because if you go uh, to the Kimowan website to subscribe and enter the code Indian and cowboy, all lowercase, no spaces. You will get ten percent off a of subscription. That's yeah. not why we're nope. mentioning that. That's not why we're mentioning it. But 
wait, now we have no reason to mention it. We didn't mention it. We didn't mention it. it. This is like, this is like an alternate dimension. Right. That didn't actually happen. That didn't actually happen. And now we're back into the normal dimension and everything's totally fine. Kimma, what? Not that. No, I don't know. All I I have is like this fading feeling of incredible coolness. Right. Right. But overwhelming sweetness. It's gone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So, um, okay. We wanted to mention, uh, let's just put it out there that if you want to study us, Mm. you gotta pay us. Yeah. We've been mentioning this on Twitter. And we know that we have not talked about this before. We actually, the only time we've talked about it is in the dark episode that we didn't release. Right. Our, our original third episode. Uh, yeah. And we went off about this for a while. And then we kind of backed off for a while. But this is becoming a thing for us, mm-hmm. which we weren't expecting so fast. Yeah. Slash at all. I know. Like maybe um, like 20 years from now, but not like actually while we're still producing the show. Yeah. Uh, so basically, yes. So it's come to our attention that people are starting to study, listen to Métis in Space with the express purpose of using it for academic purposes. Um, to like in their dissertations, to, to present at conferences, yes. etc. Cite in papers, whatever. Um, if you are Indigenous and you want to do this, go for it. We yeah. are into it. Use it Super however you up. want. I don't mm-hmm. care. Like, I don't think we care if you no. want to... Just... Print it out and wipe your ass with it. Honestly, yeah. don't care. Yeah. Diss us. Dismiss us. Dresses us, us. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, we don't, if you're indigenous, this is, this is a podcast that is by indigenous people and for indigenous people. So it is yours as much as ours. Please use it however you want. If you are not indigenous, better think twice. Think, yeah. Think again. Yeah. Um, we like get in touch with us. Yeah. Um, You can, you know what? Just, uh, we've had a few people who've respectfully, uh, reached out to us on Facebook and other places, which is great. Yeah. And, and do that. Okay. Best place to get a hold of us is, uh, is probably, you know, either on Twitter, Métis in space or, uh, through Gmail, Métis.in.space at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, just send us an email and say, look, I'm thinking about using you in this. Uh, what do you think about that? Okay. We're, we're in the midst of working on a policy so we can clarify this issue. Uh, don't really care what, uh, what you think the rules are. We're, we're telling you what the rules are from our perspective. Uh, and we're going to be putting that out there. Um, and if you do want to engage with us, uh, respectfully, then respect that. So, uh, right now, uh, because you're sort of in limbo, you're like, tell us what to do. Just email us yeah. for now. Okay? Email us and just like recognize that depending on what it is that you want to use uh, our work for, we will ask that you compensate us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing. That's and the thing. shout out to the people that have done that and been respectful for that because that's great. Um, and also, if you want to email us to tell us how reverse racist we're being, that only non-natives can do this. Like, you can send it to suckit.net. <laughs> Never gonna listen to you at gmail.com. Yes, you can send it to www.getbent.gov.ca. Okay. Uh, anyway, contest. Contest. Woo! Who doesn't like a contest? <laughs> Me. I'm so not the honor. I never win anything. But you will win a thing, maybe. Maybe. All right. Uh, Metis in Space Contest. Molly, why didn't you tell him about it? Well, this is Metis in Space Contest number one, 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 one. And it is to celebrate our final episode of the season. That's so right. So we've managed to put together an entire season, which Huzzah! is as much of a surprise to us as it is to you. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, we wanted to kind of like reward people for listening and also like appreciate people and also... Maybe slightly stroke our own egos uh, and force everybody to listen again and more closely. But mostly it's just to reward you guys, right? Yes. That's what contest is for. So basically the way this is going to work is we have three trivia questions. One 
totally awesome creative con like component. Mm-hmm. Um, to and contest. fabulous prizes. And so many fabulous prizes. That's so right. let's get to it. Yeah, let's get to it. So uh, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you get ready? ready. Get ready. Get okay. a pen. This is it. The, get a pen. Get some questions. paper. Hurry. Right. Yeah. We're no, writing. that one's not working. Damn it. Just. Uh, do you have a pencil? Get a pencil. I, oh god, the pencils. The pencils. Oh, I hate There's them. no lead. The lead's really dull. Uh, get your pocket knife. Blood. Just <laughs> write it out in blood. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Get your okay. bleeding finger and write it on the page. Okay. Question number one. In which episode were there no bears? No bears. Not even a mention of bears. Which episode? Not a single bear. That's right. That's and that's question one. Okay. Question two. In which episode did we rate the episode that we watched out of awkward land metaphors? Awkward land metaphors. Which episode was that? That's right. Number three. Name two common tropes through which sci-fi presents indigeneity. Okay, these can be any common tropes. These can be ones that we mentioned. These can be ones that we haven't mentioned, but there's got to be two. Yeah, and we've got to actually, like, recognize them as tropes. Like, yeah. You can't be like, oh, well, science fiction actually talks about indigeneity through the trope of clowns. Yeah, no. No. No, it's got to be a thing. Yeah, if, yeah. if it's clowns also, we're just going to put that straight into uh, the the trash because yeah. we're scared of clowns. No, no no clowns. No don't clowns. send us clowns. Yeah, no. don't send us clowns. So that was question three. Yeah, okay. Do, and so the, what do they have to do for the fourth bit? So the fourth bit is a creative bit. Uh, and basically what we're asking is for a poem in any style about Métis in space. Any style at all. Yeah. And Limerick. It, haiku. Yeah. Iambic pentameter. Yeah. Ballad. Uh, uh, pro free form. Yeah. If you rewrite us Beowulf mm. about us, that would be amazing. Yeah. And if you make me Grendel, bonus points. <laughs> if you make me Grendel, you automatically win. Uh, just kidding. Maybe a lot of people will do that. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. obviously I'm Grendel. It's fine. Um, but anyway, any any poem in any style about Métis in space and any aspect of Métis in space. So That's that can right. be as you know, abstract or concrete as you want. Exactly. Yeah. We just, so we want poems. You answer those three trivia questions, write a poem in any style and submit that to space at gmail.com. And what are the prizes? Oh, well, let me tell you the prizes, Chelsea. Prize number one is awesome picks of Métis in Space by Chelsea's Kids. Oh, yeah. And if you follow our Twitter, you have seen some of these awesome pics. Like, they're so awesome. Yeah, these are great. These are these are things that you should be framing on your wall. Uh, we will we will sign them. We'll sign them. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You will have signed that, That's not pictures. weird. I don't no, feel weird about not signing. Not at all. I'll even things. develop a cool signature, because mine is, like, really oh, yeah, mine. Yeah, mine looks like a five Or maybe we won't. We'll just be... No, I'm just going to use you'll, you'll get our original, totally bogus-looking signatures. Yeah, our signatures suck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> prize uh, number two. Prize number two. Uh, I don't know. I didn't write it. Okay, I, I wrote it. Okay. Upside down. Prize number two is uh, crappy pictures of Métis in space by Chelsea and myself. You will get original artwork by, by us. us. That's right. I, it's going to be fantastic. It's, no, it's not. Molly's are probably going to be unicorns. She draws great unicorns. I, and I... the only, Unicorns are the only thing I can draw. I like to draw uh, swirly, patterny things. But we'll draw basically sort of maybe... It'll, it'll, it'll be, be very space. In space. It'll mm. be, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, out of all of us, we, we are the ones who know what space is and you do right. because we've been there. Exactly. And just so pass that fine. down as a family heirloom. And in, like, 23 generations from now, it'll probably be worth, like, five bucks. Five bucks. Five whole bucks. Five whole dollars. Yo. Space dollars. Yeah. 
All Take right. that to the gov every every year and get <laughs> that. That'll be your treaty, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Five number three. Uh, mystery awesome super space prize. Oh yes, super and, space. And you know that we know it is super space. Yes, and you know that we know what both mystery and awesome is exactly. as well. So yeah. you will get that. Um, and we're not calling it a mystery awesome super space prize because we don't know what it is yet. No, by the way, absolutely we definitely not. We know what it, know what it is. Definitely, and it's awesome and absolutely mystery and, and concrete super space. Yes. Uh, and the final prize. Uh, which is maybe the best prize. It is in not my maybe. Opinion. It is the best. Yes. Uh, you will win a ball of tinfoil that you can uncrumple and refold into a hat. Or a rubber ducky. Whatever you want. Or a beaded condom. That would be amazing. <laughs> that, yeah, if you if you do that, you can you make a beaded. Pick. Wow. Yeah, that would uh, be amazing. Okay, but yeah, or I could like wrap it over your head and make like little air holes and walk around with you a can be tinfoil a beaded mask, condom. and you could be like, <sighs> I am the aluminum foil man. Because <laughs> people do that. Chelsea loves Halloween. <laughs> no, I don't. And just because it's a bit late doesn't mean that it's you shouldn't go do. for it. People uh, do that. Can we reiterate these prizes? Uh, can we what? Re- reiterate? Uh, yeah. Like, re-say them? Redundantly yeah. repeat ourselves? Why Why not? <laughs> okay, <laughs> prize number one. Prize number one. Awesome pick of Métis in Space by Chelsea's Kids. Prize number two. Crappy picks of Métis in Space by Molly and Chelsea. Prize number three. Mystery awesome super space prize that we definitely know what it is already. Prize number four. Ball of tinfoil you can uncrumple and refold into a hat. And all you have to do is answer those three trivia questions, write us a poem, and email it all to metis.in.space at gmail.com. And the deadline for this is... February 15th, 2015. Ooh. Yes. For those amazing prizes. Yes. For the amazing trivia contest. Um, and if you are comfortable, you are welcome to provide us with your address beforehand. Um, otherwise, we will get back to you. Yes. Uh, and ask you for your address so we can mail you those totally awesome sweet prizes. Oh, one more thing. So, we have another thing. Yes. We were discussing how you could uh, donate oh, yeah. gifts of wine. This has actually been something that many people have requested information on. Like, we're not even joking. Yeah. Like, we've had, like, a lot of requests on how people can... Buy us wine. Buy us for our wine. Shows. Uh, so I, I, right now, we, I mean, we don't have a PayPal set up or anything. So really, the easiest way would be an e-transfer. Uh, you can just email us. Use the the Métis in Space uh, Gmail uh, address to uh, yeah send us an e-transfer for a bottle of wine. Yeah. You know? Wait, but don't don't people have to send like a security question? Yeah. Can Ooh. we just? What should our? Yeah. It should be bears. Answers. Yeah. The answer should be bears. Yeah. Lowercase bears. And plural. Yeah. Bears. Bears. Yeah, that's so. Whatever your question is, we're just. It doesn't matter what you ask. We're gonna answer bears. So if you ask like, who was your first, you know, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, bears. Uh, who, where, where did you grow up, bears. What's your favorite color, bears. Uh, what's My your favorite, favorite food, bears. Bears. Um, what did you want to be when you when you were a kid, and you know, bears. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, bears. Which who do you like better, Chelsea or Molly? Bears. Bears. Which should obviously just be your answer. Yeah, because we're not here for that. Uh, All right. But okay. So yeah. So basically, um, yeah. So if you want to donate us money for one, that's great. If you want us to pick up a specific bottle of wine with mm. that money, we will definitely try to do that. Yeah. Um, it, but please it depends do... on availability here in Quebec. Yeah. 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 We're in Quebec. We basically go to either the Depener or the SAQ. The SAQ. We go to the SAQ because okay. the Dep goes not, to the SAQ. No Dep wine for this. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm okay. old and I can't handle. All the crappy wine. I'm old. She blames her age, but it's not really. 
I'm a anyway. snob. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So if you can um, send us send us the name, um, and we will do our best to find it. Um, or Otherwise, we're just going to buy whatever wine we want to with the money you sent. Yeah. And and we'll talk about it. So yeah. There we go. So All right. yeah. That's any more things that we need to talk about? No, God. Can that's twenty it? minutes. Twenty minutes. Yeah. Yep. Whatever. It's the last episode. Right. Yeah. You're going to be here for a while. So yeah. Lynn. You've you've obviously you've gone through these ten episodes. You're yeah. In it for the long run. We're just going to go for it. I, I think now is the time to roll over so you don't get bed sores. <laughs> okay. So uh, we are going to be watching. Oh Lord. Yes. Star Trek: The Next Generation. And uh, this episode is called Journey's End. It is season seven, episode 20, where the Cardassians grant the Federation access to Dorvan 5, where Captain Picard must relocate the Native American Indians who have migrated there. And can we just talk about that Native American Indians thing? That's well, he, like the well, second time, like, that, well, it, that is so many things. North American Indians. Oh, yeah, he does say yeah, that. He's, yeah, North Which American is like Indians. the first time we've encountered North American Indians, yeah. and I think it might be because he's, like, so European. Right. He's so European, he has an English accent and a French name, I know. and he's from a French vineyard. Yes. But it's fine. Uh, yeah, okay, so whatever. Yeah. We are the multiple indigenous American Indian Aboriginal Native... Native whatever okay. um so okay so th- i guess w- th- we also want to preface this by saying like mm. this is our second star trek that's right and why are we why are, why did we pick this one exactly okay so as you may or may not know i love star trek i love it um and obviously watching it uh in our first episode that we watched which was the paradise syndrome which was particularly terrible we, we thought, thought that that was the the nadir of our experience uh rating shows we hear we and thought it, it couldn't get worse and yet it did but it did uh but that one was but that that also that terrible. messed with our pa- our plans so yeah. we're gonna pretend that it, that was yeah, that was it that was, that was the, the lowest moment the actual lowest that you could go yeah um and so my theory with with star trek and it's um Treatment of indigenous peoples in particular, because Star Trek is very much about like things like colonization, exploration, uh, you know, kind of like a manifest destiny in this kind of more liberal humanist way. Um, so my theory with Star Trek is that in its treatment of indigenous people, all Star Trek has always been trying to make up for the Paradise Syndrome. <laughs> it's got a lot to make up for. It's got a lot to make up for. And I'm my- so happy. Uh, hug self. Yes. Uh so my theory is not only that it's always been trying to make up for the paradise syndrome, but that it's always failed. Yes. Always. It just, God, you know, it's just been bad. Um, and so we're going to explore that this fine evening, this fine evening with this fine wine. Oh, this fine wine. Another, another. it's definitely worth another. All right. So the episode opens with a whiny Wesley Crusher. Uh, I have written, uh, I hate this kid because don't we all hate Wes? Like he is just so obnoxious. It's yeah, from the from his first appearance as, you know, like a very, very young kid on the verge of puberty, all the way up through the seasons. Yeah. It's just like, can you shut up? Yeah. And so he's back after a three year stint at the academy. Um, you know, and he, I was hoping because it's been a while since I've seen this episode so I'd kind of forgotten it I was hoping he was just peripheral to it but no, no. he wasn't he was central to it which he is was, so he annoying he was like way too central to oh, it oh god I kept yeah I kept hoping that he was going to be more peripheral too it was just waves and waves of teenage angst yeah and you just know, like just not, roiling over me yeah, yeah and just like that really gross bad teen angst where you're just oh. like you have nothing to friggin complain about man. i'm so smart nobody understands I'm, me I'm i've so read unique. all the latest papers and you Ugh. just don't get it engineer yeah. like who 
what? <laughs> okay, to the point where Jordy and Data come, come in and, you know, like, deliver this very practiced joke that was not very funny. Um, in but, the way that, like, Data and Jordy do. Right, right. Like, in Jordy that lovable helps, way. Like, coaches Data yeah. to do the and joke. Data's and Data's like, super cute. All and, like a puppy dog, like, yeah. okay, I'll do it. And, and yeah. Punchline, yeah. Falls flat, not because it was such a terrible joke, but because Wes is basically a poop head. And at this point, Molly was giggling so hard at Data and Jordy's <laughs> infantile joke that that sort of made up for Wes's, like, total <laughs> lack of reaction to it. Yeah, that cool. was they're, they're such a great team. Yeah. They're adorable. Okay, she was fangirling so hard during this whole episode. Every time <laughs> Worf came on the scene, she was like, I love Worf! And I'm like, wow, I didn't hear that the first 15 times. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh yeah, you did. I actually wrote down every time you said, I love Worf. Okay? <laughs> it's a thing. All right. Sorry. So, uh, and <laughs> then there's sorry. Bev the Babe Crusher. Yo, Bev. Can we talk about Bev? Can we talk about... Yeah. She's so great. Oh, I know. She's so great. Just the fact that they have a single mom... Doctor character yeah. on there who yeah, is yeah, yeah. having to like raise this kid and have this like really intense full time job and she does both of them so awesomely right. and she does the cheesy mom jokes with him yeah. and like she's so worried and she's like looking for support from like all of these yeah. other people that she's like working and living on oh, and I she like she maintains this like it. professional boundary even mm-hmm. though like there's always this will they will they not with her and Captain Picard and like you know she's had other situations where like romance is like a question in the air but she's just like you know I'm really focused on my career and stuff like that and I'm not gonna let this like mess with me she was like yeah. Yeah, she was great. And the hair. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like the hair is. St- I, I thought her eyeliner was really good. Yeah, actually. I mean, this and it really stood until the, last the test season, of but... time. Oh, like totally. she still looks great. You totally. know. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we love Beverly Crusher. Oh, and then there's the opening. It's been a while since I've watched Star Trek, and then just like the opening music, it's yes. like my favorite sound. It's from oh, totally. from childhood. I was just like I was singing along, and I'm like, why don't I have this song on my iPod? Like really, I just I want to wake up to this. This needs to be my alarm. Like da 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 da, da <laughs> you know. It's just like you get up and you're like, I'm gonna go and, and like fulfill my destiny. I'm gonna go explore strange new worlds, right? See out new life and new civilizations and boldly go where, where no one has gone before. <laughs> <laughs> Every morning, <laughs> and then you're like, wait. What does that even mean? Uh-huh. And then you're like, oh, no, that actually kind of sucks in a lot of ways. Existential crisis. Yeah. And then you get back into bed and you're like, I hate this season. This is the season <laughs> when I always get depressed because it's getting dark and it's cold and I just want to hibernate. Uh-huh. Right? I totally thought that you were talking about like the seventh season of Star Trek TNG. Because <laughs> I was like, same. Same, same. And then I was like, oh, no, it's just talking about winter. This is the winter of our discontent when it comes to Star Trek because things just get a little Dang. bit brutal. Wow. She really, wow, that was harsh. <laughs> sorry. Season I'm, I'm, seven I'm not even of, the, of the next generation is as bad as winter. Ouch. All right. So. That's oh, fun. We're going to shake off it's, our I mean, it's seasonal same, effects disorder. It's the same disorder. kind of thing where like you're not really paying too much attention because you're too busy working on like small projects, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like hanging out with your buds. All right. And telling stories. So. It's fine. They try to tell a story here, and the story is, what the hell are you trying to say? <laughs> it's, uh, right. uh, okay, so... Set us up. Set us up. Yeah, so basically, uh, what we learn uh, when it opens is that Wesley Crusher is a shit, and... A poop head. A poop head, and is uh, very angsty. And then you learn a little bit more about the political connotations of what's actually going on, which is basically that the Federation of planets and the Cardassian Empire have negotiated this treaty and it's taken a really long time, like a couple years. Uh, but finally they have kind of delineated these boundaries, delineated these boundaries. 
And there's a demilitarized zone, which becomes like really important during DS9, of course. Um, but these borders basically, um, some of the borders uh, place Federation colonies within Cardassian space and some Cardassian colonies into Federation space. So Picard's job um, is to basically go and remove this specific planet of colonists from this planet, which is now in Cardassian space, which we're told is a reasonable price to pay for peace. Mm. However, we learn that this planet, Dorvan 5, is actually inhabited by North American Indians. That's right. And uh, all of the, the colonists that are on these uh, these planets that are, that are sort of like uh, part of the relocation program as part of this treaty, they've all been there for a number of decades. <laughs> I thought it was... The, so it's interesting because this, this actually gets brought up a few times that... You know, uh, in particular on Dorvan 5, these people have been there for 20 years, right? And, and But they talk about it as though it's a really extremely long period of time. Like, wow, they've been there so long and they've set up and like, wow, how can we move them after a few decades? And I don't know. I don't know what that was about. I, I think like part of the reason, like, I don't know why they made it just 20 years. Yeah. But it, it almost seemed like one of those like... We're in space, and everything just happens really fast. Yeah, and you know? and, and and what? Why it's it, it sort of like stuck out for me is that that issue of like how long have you been there uh, comes up so much when mm-hmm. it comes to claims to land, right? The whole Bering Strait theory uh, is often used by people to sort of delegitimize indigenous claims, right? Well, you were only here. You were only here, uh, you know, a, a few generations. You're not, you know, you haven't really been here for very long. You're immigrants like the rest of us. Uh, you know, 10,000 years, what's that? That's a blink of an eye or whatever, <laughs> right? Or they keep trying to make it smaller or, or whatever. Yeah, and it seems to be like there's this constant tension in the episode between kind of, at least like what I read is like mainstream kind of discourse about Indigenous people's claims to place or land mm-hmm. and kind of this like, overarching moral framework that falls within kind of like what Star Trek wants to do, where it's like the good white people believe this other thing, even though rationally, quote unquote, (laughs) you know, indigenous people only have a claim within these specific boundaries, you know? So it's like this kind of negotiation between like your guilty white people feelings and the practical aspects of what's going on, which is you've only been here for 20 years. Right. So that kind of like, at least in my opinion, like frames this whole episode. Uh, so Picard, immediately when he learns that the people on Dorfan 5 are North American Indians, he gets really uncomfortable. Yeah. Super uncomfortable. And you know that he's one of those good white people. Right, right. He, he starts getting really emphatic. Uh, he starts discussing the history of forced removal of North American Indians in the past. Uh, 200 years ago, uh, they left Earth to preserve their cultural identity. And he said there are disturbing historical parallels. But he says it like in that emphatic Kirkwood or Kirkway. <laughs> Definitely not like no. There are disturbing, disturbing. emphatic uh, parallels <laughs> in that Picard way. Yeah, where you actually like you want to listen to him because yeah. he's got that like Patrick Stewart like I know low like we have not like, decolonized our attraction to Patrick. Stewart. No, we haven't. No, no, no. it's fine. Yeah, um, but yeah. So oh no, my favorite was when yeah. uh, the admiral was like, "Well, an Indian representative was included in the deliberations of the Federation Council. His objections were noted, discussed, but ultimately rejected." Hello, that's how far Hello. space consultation has gone has come in the 24th century. Duty to consult, incrementalism, like really incrementalism, like wow. We listened, we heard, we rejected. 
like basically like, what they basically. do right now. Yeah, you know? and like that's that to me is like this episode was just so just bonkers in so yeah. many ways, but they hit all of the points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they were like that to me is what makes TNG so good is that they like they really are able even if they don't you know even if they don't manage to treat it well the subject mm-hmm. matter they really yeah. know what it we is. We included them. Yeah. It just you know we we couldn't we consulted. Them. Yeah. And then there was also um we can't have a tyranny of the minority. <laughs> yeah, no, it was totally that. And then yeah. there was also like these Indians are a nomadic group. Right. And so keep this on planet on is moving. actually just hotly disputed. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, you know, they're nomadic. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, nomads can live anywhere. You just keep pushing them on and they'll be fine. They're nomadic. Yeah. That's that's just how they live anyway. They probably want to leave. That's right. That means wandering aimlessly. It doesn't mean like going to the same areas over and over and really developing a relationship with the land that is very difficult to recreate. No, it means wandering aimlessly. And if you just give them a little shove, they'll just wander aimlessly over there. Yeah. So... Within all this, though, it's like this interesting kind of interplay within kind of the the hierarchy of Starfleet, because it's important to remember that Starfleet ultimately is this military body, and it very rarely gets discussed like that, Mm. but it is. And so you see this tension where this Admiral Necheyev is telling Picard what she needs him to do, and he's resisting, and she basically lets him know, like, look, I'm a good white person, too. I I tried. Yeah, I see. I made all these objections. Are. Yeah, but you know, Starfleet didn't listen to me, and we're in this hierarchy, and so I need, like, I need to take these orders, and so you need to take those orders from me, and this is what we have to do. And your personal discomfort aside, this is for the greater good, and the greater yeah. good can only be determined by this, you know, other council by the these like distant politicians. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's how it's done. So yeah, so we framed it as like, it's the white man's burden. It's yeah. It's like exactly. Yeah, we're doing this for the greater good. White man's burden. You yeah. know, God, it sucks to have to do things for the greater good, even when you you don't understand it, you don't totally agree. But you know, ultimately, that it's all for the greater good. The GG. Yeah. You know, you just you got to do it for the GG. That's right. And also, like, not only are we doing it for the GG, but like, even though we don't have to, mm-hmm. we're actually going to protect. These native people. They, oh, can't, yeah. they can't do anything of this for themselves because this issue is way bigger than them. Yeah. But we're going to come in and we're going to make sure that they're safe we have throughout this whole process. And we shall protect them. It's, yeah. very, it's a very royal proclamation. It's, yeah, the whole thing is, like, it paints itself as very, very liberal and progressive, but it's just super condescending. Yeah. You know, this is so much bigger than you, and we're going to help make this transition as easy as possible. Right. So then, uh, we are taken from that very patronizing (laughs) scene to Wes sulking in the engine room, Jordy being his usual awesome, cheerful self, trying to show him something interesting. I know, I just... Like reading rainbow. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But okay. I don't know. I don't know if this is the time to talk about Jordy. Like, why not? Okay, that's true. It's our tenth episode. Y'all have to yeah. just sit here and listen just to us for however here. long we talk. This is a time to once again turn over so you don't get bed sores. Mm-hmm. All right. That's a good reminder, right? Uh, so basically, okay. So I love Jordy. Yes. Um, but what? I have some issues with Jordy in terms of his nice guyness mm. because he's never allowed to be angry. He's very never rarely, yeah, he yeah, never happens. Angry. And when he does, that's what the that's what the entire episode is about. Yeah. This weird because there's a, a couple times that Jordy gets angry, mm-hmm. and the whole episode is about Jordy getting angry and how yeah. like out of character that is, and how it's like usually the the result of some sort of like outside forces. Yeah, totally. Right? And like, not only is he never allowed to get angry, he's also never allowed to like have a relationship, like a sexual mm-hmm. relationship with anyone. And it's weird because like data gets laid. 
and Jordy never yeah. gets laid. You know? And, like, Dave is a friggin' android. Wow. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so, like, I have all these feelings about the way that Jordy's portrayed as kind mm-hmm. of, like, this nice guy who, like... In a lot of ways, like, in terms of, like, his romance stuff, he, like, is a bit creepy. Like, he doesn't entirely know how to, like, move forward with, you know, the ladies that he's interested in and, like, all of this stuff. But he's also never allowed to develop in those ways. Yeah. So, like, Jordy's, like, general niceness is, I find it, like, super stultifying. Yeah. Yeah, and, there's not a lot of character development over Yeah, and seasons. I feel like LeVar Burton, it was basically, like, Jordy is so awesome because LeVar Burton, like, yeah. the actor, yeah. just totally made him incredible. Yeah. But, like, the way that he's treated is just, like, not very good as a character. Yeah, yeah, no. He, if, if, if he's ever, like, not 100% cheerful, then other people are just sort of like, oh, you know. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. and you see this here because there's this confrontation between him and Wes, and Wes is being a poop head. A snotty little turd, oh, in fact. Oh, my God, is he yeah. snotty. And, you know, he's just, like, Wes. Your subprocessor being... matrix needs a rehaul, Wes. Yours does. Yeah. Like, I, I will stand by my work, is what he says. Like, yeah. you know, this, like, young, you know, he's got to be, what, like, 17 or something? Yeah, he just and took just some like, university classes, and now he freaking knows it all. Oh, my he's, God. Like, We've been there, right? Right? In right? the class with the, with the kid who knows it all. Yeah. And he's got to, like, talk over the prof and be like, well, actually, uh, shut up. Yeah. Go, go smoke your cigarettes I, outside. I took an entire class on such and such. Like, yeah. put on your pea coat, <laughs> zip totally, up your right? tight pants, <laughs> and get outside and smoke your and Belmonts. And smoke, yeah. Yeah, like, bye. Yeah. Uh, so basically, like, Jordy does end up basically doing that to Wes. Yeah. Wes leaves. He sighs, angsty sighs. Yeah. Everybody's relieved that they're finally cutting towards what's really important, which yeah. is the leader of the tribal council and real Indians? Yes. Question mark? I, I think, think so. so. I think so. A council yeah. of probably real Indians. Uh, so we got Antwara, who is the oldest fellow in the tribal council, beautiful uh, shoulder-length white hair. He's explaining how <clears throat> his people have searched for 200 years for a home. And, uh, you know, Picard and Troy are suggesting that there's other planets that they could uh, check out that have the same environmental conditions. Antwara tells us that uh, it's not just environmental conditions. That's not why they chose this planet. There are other more intangible concerns as well. He says, and he stands up and he looks out the window, the window. <laughs> he looks out the window and he says, we were welcomed by the mountains, the rivers and the sky. Right. And uh, and this other guy in the tribal council is sitting there and Picard is always totally full on stone face. Right. And he's like, yeah. he's laughing at you. He thinks you're talking about old superstitions. And Picard's like, I am not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I very much respect your people's beliefs. Yeah. You know, he does that like that very Federation line with like, yeah. we are, you know, we're secular humanists. Mm-hmm. So we really know what's going on. But we we're going to just we're going to give you that. One. We respect that you have other beliefs uh yeah and then yeah, troy like, very also you know respectfully suggests an adjournment to consider what has been said right uh and and then uh captain picard invites the tribal council onto the enterprise later on for some sort of fet. Yes. but okay but here's the interest okay so mm-hmm. here's what i want to talk about with that scene because yeah. Troy's not really in the rest of it at all no no no. she's just no. there kind of like as part of the negotiating yep. team which is fine but she's a bit absurd yeah, yeah. And so right? she understands that they she's, actually believe. Yeah, she's yeah. an empath. Yeah. Right? And so, like, what Troy kind of represents in this is what the writers, as I'm just guessing mm-hmm. here, uh, are non-Indigenous writers, what these non-Indigenous writers believe that Indigenous people would want in these types of negotiations. Mm-hmm. So, for example, that, you know, that, like, we respect your beliefs 
and we see where you're coming from and we want to take a break so we can all think about this more and so that it's less confrontational. Yeah. So it kind of like very much plays on because later on there's this confrontation, right? This violent confrontation. So it's this question of, do these writers believe that indigenous peoples, unless we are given a chance to cool off, yeah. will immediately go to violence? Yeah. Or is it a question of indigenous peoples are so wise that we actually need to think about it, that we need to think yeah. about things and like really the wisdom that they have before. Yeah. yeah. Instead of like having like a real position. Yeah. You know, so it's Troy kind of like represents this like weird mediation mm-hmm. of like kind of trying to understand and like what that means yeah but i Star Trek. i don't know i i felt it was just i i felt it was a very like intelligent move to just like mm. pretend that they were going to think about it because they're still going to be like well i mean we know that the mountains didn't really this is all a metaphor and yeah. who really cares what the metaphor means but they believe it so we have to like we have to act as though um you know they 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 believe it and 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 that's it they, yeah you know like that's we, how they we've got it. our orders and yeah. we're going to do this anyway but you y'all think about it yeah you know, like we're negotiating, but actually you just need to do what we say. So go and think about that for a right. while. Yeah. Right. And then we have uh, Beverly and Wes, uh, Wes going, I just want to be left alone. And I write, shut up. So don't care. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm yeah. sick of, maybe I'm sick of following rules and regulations. Didn't you even think of that? Yeah. Whatever. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Get a, yeah. Just Get a grip. don't care. So now we're at the gathering. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find out that Captain, uh, the captain is talking to Antwara and says, oh, uh, I found out that your grandfather was the one who led the voyage off of Earth. Uh, and, and, you know, they're discussing this a bit. And uh, Picard goes, well, you know, uh, yada, 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 greater good, sacrifices are needed, your grandfather understood this. Yeah, which was gr- gross. Yeah. That was yeah. really gross. He just, like, weaseled yeah. in there. He just, like, slid in there being like, oh, well, you know, your grandfather did something that not everybody agreed with? Yeah. Well, that must have been for the greater good. So right. So you can make that decision too. Yeah. You know, and this guy's like, uh, can you not? Yeah. And then, and then Antoara stands up and he's like, there is a time when, uh, when we sacrifice too much and we must hold on to what we have, even in the face of overwhelming opposition. Boom. Take that. Yeah. yeah. And Picard's like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Wow. It's the violent indigenous person rearing its head. Yeah. And then, and then too, Anthwara refers to him as the adversary. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I noticed. Like we need to yeah, understand you because it's important to understand your adversary. And Picard's like, yeah. oh, wait, wait, wait. Like, I hope we don't have to be adversaries yeah. in this process. And Anthwara's like, we are. Yeah. Because, okay. You know. But it, it's sort of presented as like unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, I'm here to negotiate. And as the Cardassians say later on, negotiate what? Like, you've yeah. been given orders to relocate these people. You've told them that that's what you're supposed to do. What are you negotiating? Like, this is, and, and this is, this comes to the heart of negotiation in Indian country right now, where the the main issue is settled, and you don't get to discuss it or reopen it or even look at it again, but we're going to negotiate, huge air quotes here, uh, we're going to negotiate the terms of, like, how we're going to, like, make it better for you. Like, hey, sorry that we're totally not giving you any choice about opening up this mine or bulldozing your community or relocating you for the seventh time, Ujjay Bugamu, or you know, uh, doing any of these things to you, we're just going to do it, but we're going to negotiate other things like how we're going to give you rations or freaking buffalo hides or freaking, you know, uh, farming implements yeah, or, or the medicine chest. Yeah. Or, yeah. or like 2% royalties. Like that's not negotiation. That's like, uh, you know, after the fact BS. Yeah. And oh, by the way, it's fine. Cause we had a consultation. So yeah. we kind of, we know where you're coming from, but That's we right. rejected all of your suggestions right. 
because we know what's best. We fulfilled the duty to consult. Now, now in good faith, we're negotiating uh, ways to make it easier for you because we're such good people. Yeah. But Antoine was like, and we don't ah! have to do that. No, but we are because yeah. we're really nice. And Thor's like, not having that. Yeah. So he's he uh, he asks about Picard's family, and I really like this because this is what we do. This is what we do. We're like, who are mm. you related to? And uh, for instance, Molly and I realized today that we're probably a bit more related than we thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, a bit. I mean, I, I pretty much assumed, but... Like, I kind of assumed, too, but yeah. I didn't want to, like, ask, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't want to name name right. names when you're like, baby, we're not in yeah. that related. But I think but we're actually we are. cousins a couple times. So, anyway. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, they did, he, he sits down and discusses uh, Jean Picard's family. And I always love that, because if, you, if, if you've watched this series at all, uh, family is a really big issue for Jean Picard. It, it comes up many many times he's really proud about this and all yeah and all sorts of different guises too it's like yes he he doesn't have you know like he's never gonna like he's not interested in having children Mm -hmm. so like in one episode you know he has this kind of alternative family of his own in this kind of alternative life and then he also visits his home you know vineyard after he gets assimilated by the borg Mm -hmm. and then there's all that you know business with the family drama but he's very very intense about his own heritage and that's kind of like laid out and of course in the seventh season the last season a lot of these themes kind of come to a head and they're trying to wrap everything up so this is like a really good kind of basically like avenue by which um star trek is able to kind of bring this part of picard's personality Mm -hmm. to like in full circle and kind of like resolve all these issues that he has and it does that through indigenous people yeah which is really interesting because this is right near the end of of the last season Mm -hmm. right yeah so this this, yeah and it really okay but let's okay let's go on yeah okay so then uh all of a sudden so wes is sitting there sulking at this thing and somebody calls him you know wesley crusher by his full name uh and there's tom jackson as lakanta yeah looking so like intensely indigenous like but and i really like the stoic face that he did yes he does the stoic face a lot but it's like stoic but it's also kind of but it's kind stoic stoic. but it's also like it almost seems like he had like he's he's got a joke and you don't know what the joke is yeah yeah he's got like a brief like a kind of smirk yeah but it's still kind of like it's still distant and stoic so it's not like he's laughing at you right he's laughing with you but you just have to figure out what the joke is yeah but he's full-on the mystic indian here oh right such how does he know his full name and then he tells us uh i knew you were coming two years ago i had a vision quest i talked to many animals spoke to many spirits and i saw you you came to us to find the answers you seek and wes is like <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. But like, isn't that every teen boy dream? Yes. Isn't it? Totally. To, to when you're like all lost, nobody understands you, and I'm so smart. I'm too much smarter I'm too than smart for my parents me. and my friends. If only a mystic Indian me. would come and tell me how special I am. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And there he is. He is. He's special. Yeah. And this mystic Indian is literally telling him that. Like, yeah. not only is he special now, but he was special two years ago. Yeah, he was always special. When this mystic Indian went on a vision quest and he's saw him in the vision quest. That's right. Yeah. Like, you know, he's on the ship with his mom, with his weird surrogate dad that's never really explained. Yeah. With all of his, like, weird friends slash parent figures and suddenly he is the most special out of all of them even though this is the flagship of the federation literally every teenager every angsty teenager's dream to be 
told that they are the specialist. This is like what young adult fiction is based on, right? Like the specialist. Yeah. And TNG, I think is maybe kind of the last Star Trek to really kind of try to appeal to the young, (laughs) no, engage with that child audience though, because I feel like, you know, the original Star Trek and Star Trek, the next generation, you know, we're, we're a lot more, I don't want to say family friendly, but like, kind of more geared towards that young, young audience. Okay. DS9 and Voyager, and we don't talk about Enterprise, um, were, I think, a lot more aimed at kind of, like, adult audiences. Yeah. They deal with a lot more with, like, adult themes. And, yeah. you know, not saying that TNG, you know, TNG deals with a lot of complex stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, but they bring, but up, they bring up this whole, like, yeah, changing from, you know, going from childhood to, to adolescence. Manhood, yeah. quote-unquote. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And, like, what does that mean? And, like... Yeah. Yeah, what tensions does that bring up? Um, I guess, you know, nowadays people are just assuming that your kids are off, like, watching ASDF or whatever while you're, you know... What's ASDF? <laughs> really? Never mind. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm not watching Star Trek, so, like, I don't know anything else on TV. It's okay. I, I don't know really what it is either. I just... My kids are always coming up with, like, well, we watch this horrible thing, and it's so funny, ha ha and, and then they, they yeah, repeat yeah. things from it for days. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> on the planet... Oh, wait. We, okay. We yeah, skipped, we skipped all that. Oh, okay. No, I, I just had like Crusher, Bev, our fave, uh, wants Picard to play dad. Mm. Picard's like, I'm going to play dad by not engaging with this at all. Um, <laughs> and so then they go to the planet and there's Tom Jackson being bemusedly stoic. Yes. And it's great. Um, and he's enigmatic. He's very, you know, he's very mysterious. Like the whole time. And, and everything is sacred. Everything is sacred. Uh, yeah, see, the, everything is sacred. So uh, you are sacred, Wesley. What's sacred to you? Uh, and of course, he's like, nothing. Yeah. Because of course, when you are a modern man, nothing is sacred to you. Do we, do we want to bring in Christopher Hitchens or Richard Dawkins here? Only or if we're going obvious? to kick them out. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's the thing. No, it's exactly yeah. it. The, it's they're, that they're, secular humanist BS. You know? Absolutely rational. Thus, nothing is sacred. Yeah, I think things are important. Yeah, I respect things. Are important things. And I respect them, but, but nothing they're not is sacred. sacred. No, because of course sacred automatically means religious, hokey pokey, right? Like it can't possibly mean anything. It can't mean important in in a way that you honor all the time. No, it can't mean that. We're gonna go with the way that it has been. Uh, you know, thought of in, in European, uh, context where sacred is superstitious and foolish and not real. Uh, yeah, that, that's what sacred is. So, you know, that's the thing, you know, we, uh, this comes up a lot with the headdress, the Ukumaastotin. We talk about how the headdress is a sacred object. It's a restricted object. We talk about other sacred objects that are restricted and people are like, but nothing is sacred. What's sacred? I'm not even religious. It's not about religion. It's not about superstition. It's about having a, uh, you know, having a respect for something uh, that you can't necessarily be like, you know, it's because it has this monetary value. Okay, it's sacred to us because it's not something that you can you can put a dollar sign on. It's important to us in other ways, in other perhaps intangible ways, but no less important. Okay, and and that like that just gets blown out the window all the time uh, when we use the word sacred. So I swear to God, I think we need to stop translating into English, stop using that word and, and start just throwing our own terms out there and being like, it's important because of this. Yeah. And, and, and like, you don't necessarily even have to understand it. Yeah. Just in fact, who cares if you understand it? Don't mess with it. It's important to us. And if you care, if you want to honor us, if you uh, think highly of us or, or if you just like want to be a decent human being, 
You know, don't have it, don't need to have it justified to you before you respect it. Oh my God. Wait, do we, do you want to talk about solidarity now? Oh that yeah. That's a really good segue yeah, yeah, into yeah. solidarity. Let's talk about solidarity. Okay, great. We're going to talk about solidarity. Okay. So later on, I mean, I, I think it's good to take it out of that context because the context Yeah. Sucked. The context was bad. Oh, the context was so uh, bad. But there, there is a quote later near the end of the episode by, I think it's Barry Cardassian, right? Uh, no, it's, it's the, 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 the traveler. The oh traveler. no. Yeah. No, it is the traveler. Yeah. Okay. So the quote is, uh, they must find their own destinies, have faith in their abilities to solve their problems on their own. Okay, and that is solidarity. That's it. You don't have to be convinced that we have it figured out. You don't have to hear the plan. You don't have to uh, see it and and judge and evaluate whether or not that's a good thing to do. If you're in solidarity with a group, just believe that they that whatever group you're trying to be in solidarity with has the solution to their own problems and just let them do it. And if you want to support them, support them in what they're doing. But don't sit there and think that you get to pass judgment and that you know better. Yeah. Because that's not solidarity. Yeah. It doesn't, like, it. Do, it it's not only that, like, it doesn't matter if you don't understand mm-hmm. or that you don't necessarily know what's going on or you don't have all the details. It's also, like, it doesn't matter if you agree with the strategies that people are using mm-hmm. to gain their objectives, whatever they may be. Survival. Yep. Uh, political objectives, social objectives, whatever. It does not matter if you are in solidarity, you are in solidarity. Yeah. You just need to trust that people know what is best for themselves and that they are taking steps in order to do that. Yeah. It doesn't mean good faith. It doesn't mean that you have to go and do those things. Okay. And sometimes it's not appropriate for you to go and do those things, but you know, don't, don't second guess people, uh, let people screw up. That's the thing too, is people, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are in solidarity until they're like, Whoa, Oh, they screwed up. Well, you know what? People screw up. And, uh, everybody comes from a long line of screw ups. So just let people yeah. screw up, yeah. you know, just don't just, ugh. yeah. We've seen a lot of like mystical indigenous people in this show and yeah. we haven't seen a lot of like screw up indigenous people, but yeah. guess what? We're out there. Yeah. 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 And for guess sure. what? We still know what's best for us. Yeah. You don't get to choose. You don't get to choose the good Indians and the bad Indians. Yeah. Your finger right? doesn't get the point. No, don't point that finger. Don't get the, yeah. Don't get your yeah. pointing finger out. That's right. Point that finger at yourself and say, Yes, where this finger is pointing, that person is going to be standing in solidarity. Yeah, exactly. And and don't don't use the excuse that you're talking to other settlers to choose the good and bad Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yikes. Okay. Okay. So so okay. Solidarity. Good. Great. We're good on solidarity. Fishing um, quest. Sa- well, yeah. What's sacred to you? Um, oh yeah. So they've determined that Wes. You know, uh, Lakanta has has told Wes that Wes is a sacred person to these indigenous people. Everything is sacred, and so Wes also is sacred, and so he can't uh, desecrate his own sacredness by treating himself badly. And then Wes is like, "Oh well, I guess I haven't been respecting myself lately." And everybody's actually like, "Actually, Wes, you've just been a poop head to literally yeah. everyone around you." <laughs> but then, of course, it ends up that Wesley Crusher is going to go on a vision quest. Of course, he is. Of course, because again, this is every angsty teenage dream yeah particularly male dream by the oh, way totally like because have you ever how seen am i gonna find myself well have you ever seen in any depiction of indigeneity of any depiction of sort of some spiritual quest or vision quest have you ever seen it be a female right it's all it's a male thing yep. because i think a lot of indigenous uh depictions I mean, play that up, right? But I think a lot of people just believe that indigenous um, spirituality, that, that, that vision quests are just for boys. 
right? Mm. That, that women, whatever there's, that's the, that's the coming of age ceremony for boys right. and, and whatever, whether or not that's true, but what is never depicted is any sort of similar, um, spiritual, you know, uh, change for, for women. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, it's not discussed because women, because why would it be? No. Right? Like women, if, you, if you're European, like looking at, you know, what's important yeah. in native culture, like right. you're not looking at like, Oh, you know, what, what are these young women going through and like, how are they being welcomed into their own adulthood, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, Oh, well look at these like young men finding themselves. I'm going to write a Bildungsroman novel about this, you know? I think, I think that a lot of people look to their own history, right? So European Mm -hmm. people will look to their own history and they'll be like, well, there were rites of passage for men. Okay. I can understand that, but there really wasn't anything about women or if there was, we don't really care. We didn't write it down, you know? So that's probably the same with native people. But like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, so no. Yeah. So whatever. The, there's no depth, of course, to any of our, uh, you know, passage, uh, rites of passage or whatnot. It's always like some sort of vision quest or... Yeah. And it's really straightforward and you can do it in like a day. Yeah. Yeah. Totally easy. You don't need to really prep for it. Like, no. you're already prepped because you're such a great person yeah. and you're unique and right. whatever. So like, now it's time for you to find yourself. Uh, so basically, you're going to go uh, into some kind of altered state of consciousness. Always. Really yeah. fast. Take some drugs or, or, yeah. or like... Or breathe in a little bit too much smoke. Right. Or, or have like the mystic Indian, like put you into a trance. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you're going to see something and then you're going to be, you know, a new person. Yeah. And an adult and know who you are. Yeah. That's, that's the extent, like we're talking about journey's end here. You know, the journey started like an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Um, so yeah, so Wes is going on a vision quest. Um, uh, so they determine that there's, there's no agreement between Picard and this tribal council. Uh, so um, he's advised that he has to go forward with the removal by force. You won't. I will. You won't. I will. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh yeah, this is great. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you want to, do you want to do the thing? All right. All right. So <sighs> this is where it gets really, wow. We, we had to pause it a bit. Outrageous. Yeah. yeah. So tribal elder says, um, to Picard, we, we didn't know why you were sent. Uh, but we, uh, we believe that nothing that happens is truly random. We searched for a reason, but we didn't find one until last night. Last night was the discussion over the family and everything. This is where the bomb drops. We find out that one of uh, Picard's ancestors was a soldier. Uh, so there was, okay, this was the thing we're like, Whoa. Okay. they, They brought up the Pueblo revolt of 1680, which is heavy duty indigenous history. Yeah. Like seriously, like like battle of Hastings. Okay. This is like, this is like a big time. When you talk about indigenous history in the Americas, the Pueblo revolt is, is a huge thing. It's yeah. It's a big deal. And they just kind of, and it's interesting too, because that's not one that comes up a lot in sci-fi yeah a lot people of people don't usually no, pick that one non-indigenous people don't usually know about that one it's 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 sort of the you know the uh the battle of the little bighorn and you know some mm-hmm. sort of more contemporary things but this is a big one for us um and so basically uh you know a bunch of different tribes came together in what is now known as new mexico fought off their spanish uh you know oppressors and then 10 years later the spanish came back and took total brutal revenge like and and they say that uh mm-hmm. the guy I, I love that the tribal elder at one point he was like uh, you know they were even shall I say savage savage yes. yeah and it's like he like leans forward yeah. savage and you're like oh I see yeah yeah um but yeah so uh the the Spanish returned to conquer and they killed hundreds and wounded thousands and everything was terrible and one of the soldiers was named Javier Maribona Picard 
You know, and then you get the big zoom in on Picard's face. Yeah. Like, oh my God. It was just like white guilt, white flipping yeah. guilt, just like, holy crap. And Picard didn't know about this guy. In all of his extensive genealogical research, it goes all the way back to Charlemagne. He did not know about this guy and he was just shocked. Right? Which is weird. Yeah, it is weird. And also like, it's never suggested that maybe it just happened to be a guy that's not related with the same name. Yeah, but, yeah. No. you know, he, he, he just, buys it. These, he are, it. these are mystical Indians, man. They that's know. That's true. Yeah. Come on. I mean, they know. We also know. Right. We, we know. We knew. We could have told them. We know that. it's you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Picard um, is told that you came to erase a stain of blood worn by your family for 23 generations. Yeah, and Picard's like, because Picard's like, you know, that was 700 years ago. Like, yeah. that doesn't really matter now. And and Thwara's like, no, it, it does. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you are still responsible because you know and that's another you know that's another great point that it hits you know this is a huge issue i think this this comes up all the time right why should i be held responsible for what my ancestors did and what we always like to say is well okay you're not directly responsible for what they did but you are directly responsible for the privilege that you now hold because of what they did yeah you're still benefiting from it so you have a responsibility there that's right but this is interesting because it takes it out of that context yes right because you know presumably you know, these people are thriving and they've managed to pick their own place where they live and, mm-hmm. and everything's fine. But it's, it, so it becomes this more abstract thing, you know, it's not so grounded, mm-hmm. right? Because like, that's how settlers think of it, yeah. right? It's not this grounded thing where mm-hmm. they're still not materially responsible, right? Even right. though they are because they're benefiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Star Trek does like, it li- like kind of literalizes that and it takes it out of the material and just makes it this concept that people have to grapple yeah, with. Yeah, actually a stain of blood. Yeah, it's, yeah, this mystical stain of blood. Right. Right, and he has to wipe clean It's a stain spiritual death. What does that mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he's, you know, Picard's like angsting because he has mm-hmm. this, you know, he's white guilt guy, but he never actually has to grapple with how he actually benefits yeah benefits right now yeah well i mean that's difficult to to discuss quantitatively in you know in the future but but yeah uh, people can't even do it now so whatever so yeah it's yeah it's like you got land from the dominion land act like your family got it for free (laughs) no you don't benefit at all from that all right anyway yeah uh cardassians cardassians uh so the cardassians also are really interesting because they kind of create this they kind of triangulate the conflict Mm. insofar as they show up early they're not supposed to show up for another six weeks to claim the planet but they need to do a survey to see what's going to be left behind and you know what their resources are going to be uh and picard just straight out says like i'm going to protect these uh indians jurisdictional posturing that's what it was you know it was like it was like the british empire saying these savages are my savages and i will protect them until such time as the treaty transfers them into your jurisdiction yeah exactly yeah yeah and so it becomes kind of this like good kind of settler versus bad settler thing where yeah. like the Cardassians are like the bad evil yeah. settlers and you know these these indigenous people they would really do well to actually just like try to be protected by by these the like, good settlers good settlers yeah because yeah, yeah. yeah. they don't know how bad they'll have it with the bad settlers yeah and um you know and the Cardassians the whole time are just seen as like I don't really they don't understand the context of like you know the indigenous history of earth and all right. this stuff and how dare they blunder in yeah um, so delicate yeah so there's yeah so this kind of it's the political conflict is expanded a little bit so it becomes once again not so much about these indigenous people but about these larger political issues the federation the kardashian empire 
how they're supposed to be negotiating. You said Kardashian. Oh, no. <laughs> Kardashian Empire. <laughs> and how they are supposed to be, you know. Uh, so Whatever. Okay, we're moving on. Sorry. I, all I can think now is big asses. All right. Okay, go go in, go into the freaking... The Hubba? Vision Or quest. whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, basically, Tom Jackson leads Wesley Crusher into this, like, weird loft, shitty loft room. He should have just, like put his foot in the middle of Wes's chest and kicked him down the ladder and been like, sorry, but that's how we treat sacred things. (laughs) Please. Yeah, he's like, this is the focal point of our lives, and he leads Wes into this room that's just like this shitty square with this like really, really crappy, I don't know, like how do you describe that? What is that? Yeah, it's got altar with different dolls and fetishes. Oh god, it's so bad. They don't even try. Okay, but but let's be happy with his quote about culture. Okay, go for it. Alright, so um, Tom Jackson is like, our culture is rooted in the past, but not limited to the past. Indigenous futurism right there. was awesome. Yeah. We were both like, pause. Yeah. Huzzah. Huzzah. Like, there, like, you hit it. That's it. That's it. That should be the point of the show. Yes, exactly. It's not. No. They, but it should be. But, but it was in there and it's important and pay attention to that. Okay. Our culture is rooted in the past, but not limited to the past. We've discussed that here before. Go back and listen to it again. Yeah. Uh, But guess where they take it? All sorts of bad places because... You know, Wes notices that, oh, wait, one of these fetishes is Klingon. And Tom Jackson's like, of course, you know, we're not limited to the past. So we have many, you know, different species visit us in our Habak Vision Quest square room cell. Uh, We've had Klingons. We've had Vulcans. We've had Ferengi as well as Bear and the Coyote and the Parrot. Bears in this episode. Yep. In case you're wondering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a bear. Also, like, can, like, this is... Yeah, Molly has I have, serious issues with this. I have issues with this because aliens in Star Trek um, represent racialized people. Yeah. And the Vulcans were the first, obviously. Uh, Klingons, there's a hugely complex history of the racialization of Klingons in Star Trek. And sometimes it does it really well and sometimes it fails. Mm-hmm. And... Holy cats. Just the fact, yeah, just the fact that like they just went straight there and were like, these indigenous people see, you know, these animals and these Klingons all as kind of like these strange spiritual guides that are going to, you know, guide them through these vision quests. It was just like, whoa. Yeah. And the thing is, okay. So at first I disagreed. I was like, okay, but like from the indigenous perspective, let's be real. um, Human beings are just animals. Okay. We're not more important than other animals. Uh, we're related to animals. We have kinship systems. We have treaties with animals. Um, that's a thing. But again, this wasn't written by indigenous yeah, people. This, the, that's and yeah, that's the thing. That's where it like, fell off the rails. None of this. Yeah. None of this is like by or for indigenous. Yeah, this people. is this a legitimate is all, indigenous perspective. This, yeah, this is all getting filtered through. Yeah. So, so, so I think I think you're right. I think the way that you read that is right because it's you know they're yeah they they they're trying to take sort of like the surface view of what they think indigenous uh, spirituality is, but they run it through that Eurocentric view where humans are at the top of the hierarchy, mm. right? And animals are less. And if you're comparing animals to other, you know, racialized peoples, then that's, yeah, yeah that's inherently yeah. problematic. And especially with the Klingons, because the Klingons mm. very much are like, and especially, you know, I think in, in TNG are supposed to be black people, Yep. right? And so it's just like, oh, they're just like the bears and yeah. the parrots. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, okay. Like in, you know, these indigenous 
you know, space dwellers are, you know, inherently like anti-black. And so like, yeah, we, great. We cringe like, hard. F you. Yeah. Uh, All right. So yeah. So they, so, you know, he kind of like, uh, Tom Jackson instructs Wesley Crusher that, you know, he's going to find what he's looking for. Um, he has to build this fire and he has to sit in front of it and wait and whatever he's looking for will kind of come to him. Um, and he says, I can open the door, but only you can walk through it. Yes. And mystical Indian. All right. So then we're back on the Enterprise. Um, the Admiral is being told that the Tribal Council refuses to move. Uh, Picard warns her that they will probably resist. Uh, please have an emergency session to discuss this. She had already asked and they said no. Um, and then Riker's talking, you know, because he's always like the, the person that, that Picard can confide to and get things off his chest. So Picard's like, Antoira believes I'm responsible for the crimes of one of my ancestors. And, and Riker's like, do you believe that? No, I can't see it has any bearing on the on the issue, but I feel like a dark chapter of my family's history is about to be repeated. You yeah, know? so it's like, do you or don't you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, <laughs> does, does it have any bearing or does it have exactly all the bearing? Because it seems like... It's the latter. <laughs> yeah, it seems like even though you've already rationalized your way, your white yeah. guilt, you actually recognize there's a problem. Yeah. But don't even worry, because he brings in Worf, the Klingon, right. uh, to-, to start prepping the forcible removing mm-hmm. of these indigenous people. Yeah. Um, interesting choice for who to do that but uh, he's a security officer man we yeah of course he is yes um anyway i could i could go on about that yes hey. you could yeah all right so meanwhile what's his hallucinating right uh, uh oh man <laughs> yeah. go ahead okay so um in case you don't know wesley's crusher's dad uh died when he was very young he never really knew his dad and he was raised by bev um who's great uh, but there's kind of like this long running three three episode where he just, he somehow needs to know his dad. He needs to know, you know, what his dad thought, what his dad wanted for him, who his dad was, blah, blah. And so he goes on this vision quest and is hallucinating and sees, of course, his dad. Uh, and I honestly kind of missed what his dad said because I was too distracted by his great vintage uniform. <laughs> So I don't know, like, if oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh yeah, hours. oh yeah, no, they they like that was a pretty good okay. uh, little detail there. His yeah. dad's wearing kind of the uniform, circa Star Trek Seven, like the movie uh, Generations. Wow, seriously, if you've ever, yeah, if you've I'm ever impressed s- that you could narrow it down. So uh, that's I'm in, wow, I've watched. I'm impressed and or horrified, but yeah, those, uh, I'm not wow. I'm not fucking around with my Star Trek. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so he's got this great vintage uniform on, uh, Circuit Generations, if you've ever seen it, if you've never seen it, I recommend watching it. It's really good. Uh, Kirk and Picard ride horses together and chop wood. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, it's great. It um, is good. so I missed what he said, but later he, on you learn basically, yes. you've reached the end of this journey. Don't follow me anymore. Basically like just stop trying to be like me. Yeah. Punk. Go, go your own way. You can go your own way. Go your own way. Okay. The Star uh, Trek version. Yeah. In the 23rd century. Or 24th century. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Wes is like, oh, my God. And he's all sweaty. He like, comes yeah. out of it. He's like, oh, God. His face is all shiny. Uh, he goes outside. He's looking real greasy. Um, and he runs into Worf, who is kind of, like, surreptitiously setting up mm-hmm. these this kind of field so that they can beam all of these indigenous people off the planet without them realizing. You know? Yeah. So they have absolutely no defense. And... You know, Wes is like, what are you doing? And Worf explains, and Wes starts yelling, like, do you realize what they're going to do to you? Like, they're just going to beam you off, and you won't have a chance to defend yourselves. Like, are you okay with this? And basically kind of starts this yeah. Indian rebellion. Yep. 
Like, thanks, Wes. Like, yep. he's he's Huzzah. gone Indian, you know? His, That's right. His loyalties have shifted. In, in such a short period of time. And he literally stands with the crowd of North American, Indian, Native American, Indigenous, Aboriginal people. And Lakanta is sort of, like, in the back, right? Like, not with the crowd. He's just sort of, like, in the back. And, it, and yeah. I mean... If you haven't already wondered if he actually exists, at this point you're kind of like, hmm, does he really? Is he really there? Maybe he's a spirit. But there he is. Uh, and, and, and so Wesley gets a total tongue lashing, which is quite enjoyable uh, yeah. from the captain. Yeah. And, uh, and Wesley says, uh, you know, these are not a random group of colonists. They're a unique culture that predate the Federation and Starfleet. Like, Yeah. That's right. Yeah, there's a there there it is. There he hits another point. Yes, it, you know we literally predate all of the colonial laws, all of the colonial regimes that have come, and that means something. It means that our laws and our institutions are still what guide us, and they were here first, and that actually matters. And Wes weirdly hits that point and, yeah and that that actually really really stuck out for me mm-hmm. because like it's not engaged with by anybody no else. nobody nobody addresses it he's just like acting mm-hmm. out right? yeah and yeah. like but it's but it's, it's kind of seen as like this kind of temper tantrum thing right? yeah like, yeah yeah oh well they were you know they were here first yeah you know and yeah, like but, but, but it's we a really them a better poignant, way yeah and it's yeah. A, but it's this really poignant point that it kind of it get, just gets glossed over in all yeah. this chaos of Wes's personal angst, right? Because of course, you know Picard is eventually like, well, as long as you wear that Starfleet uniform, you're going to follow every single order you're given. Where we're going to ignore how we got sovereignty, and that's really the issue. Yeah. That's that's always the elephant in the room right now, and apparently into the future is that colonial governments will never sit down and say how they got sovereignty, right? Was it through the doctrine of conquest? Well, no, that's been rejected. Was it through the doctrine of discovery? No, that's been rejected too because people were actually here with institutions before you came. How did you get sovereignty again? Let's not discuss that because that actually like threatens the entire underpinning of colonial uh, governments, laws, and existence. So, of course, it's glossed over. Mm. We're yeah. just not going to address that. Yeah, but it was it was very much to me like kind of... You know, something that I think likely happens a lot where this one person's like, hey, this this actually doesn't make any sense. This yeah. isn't fair. You are not justified at all to do this. Yeah. And, you know, this supervisor, this person who's in a higher, you know, authority says, well, you're just going to do this. Yeah. Appeal to authority all the way. Yeah. If and so if you don't do this, yeah. you, you no longer have access to any of the privileges that you had access to through this institution. Right. Right? And so, like, that, I think, shuts down a lot of... You're gonna be in a know. world of hurt. Yeah. And, you know, Wes, to his, you know, credit, takes off his comm badge and is like, well, screw you. I'm gone. I resign from the Academy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, everybody's really shocked. And then, okay, let's kind of, like, gloss through this a bit. So, right. there's the whole confrontation with his mother. Why didn't you tell me? Blah, blah, blah. I saw dad in an Indian ritual. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was me. It was all this. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, then she, she tells teary. him. He gets teary. Right. Yeah. Then she's like, remember on Tau Seti, the, we met the traveler. He told the captain then that you were special, like Mozart, destined for something else. Blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, hint, hint. Yeah. I don't, Just in case you forgot. Yeah. Because the I, traveler shows up in, I think, like season one. Yeah. Like way back there. Yeah. So really obvious foreshadowing. Yeah. And like, that's also the kind of thing that like Star Trek is episodic. And mm-hmm. chances are, you know, you haven't. Yeah, maybe. Like if you're originally watching this, you haven't thought or seen thought about her seeing the traveler in like eight years or something so you're like the who but hint hint you know he just happens to be mentioned there you go uh so you kind of see where this is going then the cardassians start getting picked up 
on the planet by the rebels. Yes, uh, the natives, of course, become restless, inevitably, and yeah. Worf wants instructions um, because the situation is very volatile. And um, Cardassians have been taken hostage by these uh, yeah. rebellious natives. Um, and Picard appeals to Gal Ivek, who's the captain uh, of the Cardassians, kind of with the classic, like, actually, this is way bigger than just this one planet and these two people that are being held hostage. Yep. This is actually about peace between our two great superpowers. And are you going to let this peace crumble? You know, yeah. and that's kind of always what it is. It's like, it's not about... That conflict, that land dispute, that particular community. Yeah, we can't worry about the, the the individual situations. We have to think of the greater good. Yeah, we have to think about the economy. And man, doesn't we that like justify literally situation. everything? Like literally everything, like up to and including genocide. As long as it's for the greater good, mm -hmm. everything can be justified. Well, I mean, that's how it's being justified now. That's exactly like, how let's it's... Like, you know, let's yeah. not mess around. <laughs> like, that's exactly what's happening right now. Yeah. And, um... So, yeah. But luckily, you know, luckily these are, the, you know, Picard actually has everybody's best interest in mind. Yes. You know, and he's not going to be committing this genocide really. What mm -hmm. he wants is peace for everyone. Yeah. And thankfully, Gullivec agrees. Right. Uh, and calls off, uh, you know, his like shooting squad or whatever it is that he's going to order. However, on the planet, things Ooh, are a bit more tense. That's right. Uh, so we had a Cardassian who had been taken prisoner by one of these Indians of yours, as Gullivec said to Picard. Um, but he, he manages to sort of escape for a moment. And one of the Indians shoots him. But all of a sudden, as you see the, you know, the, phas the phaser blast sort of shooting towards him, uh, time freezes for mm -hmm. Wes. Wes is running towards like, no, and then time just freezes. And then there is Lakanta. Yeah, like, he walks through the phaser beam. Yeah, like whatever. Yeah, like it's not even there. Yeah, and what of is course, time and space? Yeah, nothing for the traveler. Right. <laughs> Although we don't know that yet. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but we're not yeah. there yet. He's like, you pulled yourself out of their time. That's the first step to another plane of existence. And freaking West goes, I don't understand. For like the fourteenth time in this episode, shut up. He doesn't understand anything. His emotions oh. are clouding his reasoning. He understands everything better than everybody else, while at the same time not understanding anything. It's almost like he's a teenager, right? Mm. Oh, huh. Okay. Teens. And then he morphs into the trap. Yeah, and then he morphs into the trap. Like, like, it wasn't I... even an Indian at all. It was an alien. Bring back Tom Jackson. Yeah. Tom, we want you back. <laughs> right? But, like, yeah. So it's this, like, weird, super pasty traveler alien. With right? bizarre, like, no eyebrows, but, like, super big eyebrow ridges. I don't... Yeah. It's just creepy. He's and weird creepy. hands. Did you notice the weird, chunky hands? I don't know. That, I don't, I don't, that's I don't know. Weird like, there's just, like, he's just always so, like... I don't know. He's, He's just like, creepy. I'm the perfect mentor. Yeah. I want you to learn for yourself and I'll just guide you and be your friend. And you're like, okay. So he's like, you've evolved to a new level, Wes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I hate that. Like, you've evolved past this Indian baloney. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I took from that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I needed you to understand this through this, like, hocus pocus stuff that, you know, would get you in there. But now, like, let's, let's see the truth of it. It's like, we can allow people to have their superstitions if eventually they embrace rationality after. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's when he says the line about like leaving them to their own destinies. But what sucked about that is that meant like Cardassian gets shot. <laughs> yeah. Know? It mentions that they like he, they leave everybody in a gunfight that yeah. like Wes's people basically started. started. Yeah. You know, like 
that okay so that's not solidarity no that's not solidarity but we drew like we took like that you, line out yeah don't don't it's cause the trouble and then say we have to let them make their own decisions okay that's not solidarity yeah okay? don't come in and totally mess things up and then say like oh, you have yeah just like <clears throat> back off back off and stay out of it yeah and support when you're asked to support yeah like, right bring the firewood wash the dishes do the not so glorious things that actually help Things get done. Yeah. Buy your favorite podcast some wine. Exactly. You know? But, you know, that kind of feeds back into Star Trek's prime directive of non-interference, right? Yeah. They must find their own destinies. Uh, We have to trust their ability to solve their own problems. So even though we kind of, like, screwed things up, you know, we're next level as beings we've evolved. We're just going to let them deal with it. Yeah. Right? And so, like... Once again, you know, and then, like, Wes and the Traveler just, like, kind of, like, walk away from this, like, chaos. Yeah. And it's kind of, like, once again, Indigenous people in this episode, they're the fulcrum to both... Enlightenment. ...much larger political yeah. situations, as well as the individual yeah. enlightenment of white men. Oh, hell. You know what? That's what we're here for. We are here to help you find your path in life. Yeah. That's right. That's it. I want to teach you about yourself. That's right. We really, but I mean, it's not just indigenous people, right? You've got like the mystical Negro, right? Who plays the same role yeah, for white people. Yeah, you've got the exotic, you know, oriental. Absolutely. Asian, you know, and like who it, also get, find, helps you find yourself. Like yeah. it's like racialized people are just there so that you can seek enlightenment through yeah our cultures by just sampling them a little bit yeah and then it just helps you reassert your own whiteness and become more just like more comfortable in your own yeah whiteness that's right you know they do it to friggin all of us oh yeah god yeah Yeah. (sighs) wow anyway so i wrote collateral damage much and i think that encompasses a lot of what i was feeling (laughs) yes yes at this point and then, uh, so back on the ship, <clears throat> uh, Antwara tells Picard, you have wiped clean a very old stain of blood. He has forgiven, absolved Picard of his ancestors' evil. You know, that's it. You know, you didn't move us. That's great. But the only reason why is because the uh, indigenous people on Dorvan oh. 5 have agreed to give up their Federation citizenship. They've given up their status. That's literally what they did. They gave up their status, hoping that they would be left alone. You know, they talked. They said to the Cardassians, "Will you honor this treaty with us?" Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. You, oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like so, you just, you just, uh, you know, like you just do your thing and we'll do our thing. Yeah, it'll yeah. be totally a two row wampum sort right. of deal. And that's how many never, times have we heard that? Like, a you lot. just do your thing and we'll do ours. We'll leave you yeah. alone until we find anything under your reserve <laughs> then we're gonna move you because we want that stuff and you're nomadic peoples so hey so it's fine even if you're not nomadic peoples it's still fine yeah because it's a larger political situation for the greater good yeah and somehow in the middle of this picard's family blood stain has been washed That's right it's all good you know it's been soaked in some cold water yeah uh so for those of you who have family members who own slaves or committed genocide or did other awful things all you have to go go and do is in the future uh just don't relocate or enslave other peoples and that slate is wiped clean from now on you're good apparently it's that easy i mean like you say that but also like it seems to be kind of hard yeah you know like it seems to be kind of hard for people oh gosh yeah that's so tough yeah you know it's like (laughs) Okay. We're not bitter. Right. It's fine. No, not bitter at all. Okay, and then so Wes, uh, we find out, is staying on Dorvan 5. His studies will begin with these people. Yeah. He goes native, but better. Yeah. He becomes an anthropologist, but better. 
becomes a super anthropologist. A, a like hyper anthropologist. A super anthropologist. As a anthropologist. <laughs> <laughs> the anthropologist. That's yeah. Manthropologist. Anthropology. Excuse me while I just like I insert know. that into the dictionary of my brain forever. Okay. An anthropologist. And then and then the other part of that was uh yes, he also has the ability to freeze people in time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's so good. And that was that oh, episode. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Like Wes goes off with the traveler who's not actually native. Yep. To become a super manthropologist. <laughs> Who could freeze people it's in just, time. Because apparently these people are just going to be frozen in time, right? They're Forever. no longer with the Federation. Nope. So they've given up their claims to That's all right. of the Federation's technology and assistance. Everything. And yeah, they're just on, they're on their own to do their little spiritual Indian ways that That's nobody right. actually takes seriously. Yep. White <laughs> right. guilt is resolved and white boys have found themselves and that's what matters. That is what matters. And you know, what else matters is what Muniaos have to... Th- to say about all of this. Yeah, we should maybe ask one. I think we should. Now it's time to ask a Muriel. Okay, so this is our kind of last episode of the season, and we've actually decided, despite uh, his intense popularity, to phase out uh, the Ask a Muriel section. And um, kind of as a way to wrap this up, we decided to actually talk to the Muriel. Allow the Muriel to speak, uh, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, okay. First of all, I just want to say I'm Chelsea's husband. Uh, my name is Tomas Diaz, uh, and I'm uh, I'm a white guy. I'm, I'm I'm a white Hispanic from I was originally born in Chile, and uh, but I've lived in Canada most of my life. Okay. So, um, thank you, by the way, for for being our Muniao all of those times. Um, the only time that he wasn't our Muniao is when my daughter was. Uh, Becky Hazel Cauliflower. So yeah, just very keeping it in the family. Yeah, in case you're wondering, yeah, Chelsea's fam is very theatrical. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like for you being the Muniao every time? I mean, it was fun. Like, don't get me wrong, but it was also like a bit taxing because you have to pretend to be a racist. Yeah. But like, at the same time, you have to pretend that you don't even realize you're a racist. <laughs> But most of the time, because I mean, like, you, it's easy to be openly racist, but like, when you're trying to make fun of, like, you know, anthropologists' preconceived notions about indigeneity and stuff, you have to come at it kind of from their perspective, and they don't see themselves as racist. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> he was always he was always very drained after every session. Yeah. <laughs> we just come out of here like we just sucked his soul out. Yeah, Chelsea and I would be like high fiving, and yeah. Tomas would just like leave the room, like head <laughs> down. <laughs> In a pile of shame. <laughs> and and did, did that ever bother you, like, to, to play a racist person? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I have to, you know, um, my mother uh, and my father, they both raised me as very progressive, you know, anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-homophobia, and, you know, just in generally, like, don't be a douchebag kind of guy. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to go from being raised that way to... Uh, being uh, apologetically racist. Mm. Mm-hmm. So where did you draw your inspiration? Oh, there are many, many sources <laughs> of inspiration in our modern culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had a, a lot of really good zingers aimed at, uh, at, at academics in particular that, yeah. 
Yeah, well, my parents are both academics, and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with academics. Like, I love academics. They're, they're my friends, they're my family, you know. Um, and I think they do do important work in terms of social yeah, justice. <laughs> you said doo-doo, sorry. <laughs> and then he's hanging around with people like me who make doo-doo jokes all the time. <laughs> kind of bringing it down, bringing it, making it real. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but all that to say that, you know, I think <laughs> academics do perform a current role, even in social justice in terms of, like, actually figuring out what's going on, and that helps us, like, for those of us who, like, work where the rubber hits the road, so to speak, um, but, you know, it's, there's so many ways to make fun of the academic world, and it, the whole thing about the ivory tower does have a kernel of truth to it, you know, like, I remember just spending all those years of my life sitting in like libraries and offices of sociologists waiting for my parents to finish whatever work they were doing and like surrounded by all those books with no pictures in it that I couldn't read <laughs> and like the smell of old books like I mean I, I like the smell of old books but when you've been in like rooms permeated with that smell for hours and hours of your childhood doing nothing but waiting like for you, the oh, smell. That sounds so depressing. Like, oh my god. <laughs> the smell and the boredom. Yeah, I can never become an academic. I can never sit in that room all day. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so the other thing that Chelsea and I kind of were surprised to discover, kind of early on when we started doing the podcast, is there were actually a lot of white guys who were really keen to be the Moonyow, and you were always really reluctant. Yeah. So I guess, like, you in here. do you have anything to, to say to people who are, like, really excited about potentially being the Moonyow? Being the Moonyow. I, I, I can't even imagine why you would want to be the Moonyow, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> other than, to, like, you get to sit in your chat with, like, you know, you you two guys, which is awesome. Like, that, I can see why people would want to do that. <laughs> Toss is so nice. Yes. <laughs> but you know, you know, you can just hang out with your own friends. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend to be racist. I don't know. <laughs> well, we at Métis in Space very much appreciate your contribution to this season. Uh, thank you for coming on time after time with a new persona, a new racist perspective. <laughs> a new and yet so old yes. racist perspective. Yes. So, yes, uh, we're not going to give you an Indian name. We're not, because you're not that kind of Munyao, so... Thank you. Thank, Thank you for not <laughs> All right. Great. Thank All right. you. Do you want to do a sign-out, like a farewell? Uh, no. To all of your fans? Uh, Danse. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, so thanks to Tomas uh, for all of his work over the season as the Munio. Um, definitely super great contribution to the podcast, and I think a lot of people's um, favorite part. Favorite part. Yeah. yeah so. so don't worry. Uh, season two will have some. We'll have some new favorite parts for you. So don't <laughs> don't cry for the Munio people. Yeah. yeah no. So. No tears. Yeah. No, no white tears. No white tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we gotta we gotta uh, wrap this thing up. Uh, rate, rate it. Yes, we need to rate it. Yes. Um. So yeah, just I think this time we're gonna we're gonna rate it out of whiny Wesleys. Mm-hmm. I think we ragged on Wesley the whole time. Why stop now? You yeah. Know? Exactly. No, just continue it. So, so whiny Wesleys. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's like 
five whiny Wesleys. The episode was incredible. Best thing you've ever seen. Like, really, really good. One Wesley, it was just horrible. Yeah. Super terrible on the level of the original Star Trek. Right. So, what Ooh. do you think, Chelsea? Oh, man. No, you go first. I'm not sure yet. Oh, God. Okay. I would say... Okay, so firstly, it was quantitatively better than the original Star Trek, The Paradise Syndrome. Um, it didn't rely quite so heavily on at least the like gendered and sexualized tropes uh, of indigenous people that we saw pretty heavily in that episode. Um, but it still had a lot of the same themes of, you know, the the white guy finding himself and his like true authentic self through indigeneity. You know, the mystical and spiritual. You know kind of mystical savage sort of thing um however the political aspects of it were really really interesting mm-hmm. um so i would say like i'm gonna i'm gonna go for like a 3.5 whiny wesley's on that one i thought that you know like my love for tng aside like it was actually it was an interesting episode to watch even if it was frustrating yeah yeah mm-hmm. well i okay um I, I think it hit some interesting points. Uh, like we, we talked about that, how it hit, you know, I mean, we pulled a lot out that maybe other people wouldn't see, or maybe it wasn't even intentional, but like that whole fly by duty to consult thing, uh, the, the jurisdictional posturing that was going on, like that was really like recreating some of those early European struggles, um, over, over ind- indigenous territories and indigenous peoples and stuff like that. Um, which kind of depressed me because, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're really like trying to think into the future, then things didn't really change. They just like went to space. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but, but that's kind of, I think part of the limiting factor of, of European, uh, space culture, like the, you know, science fiction in general, as, as seen by Europeans is just going to continue to recreate those historic, uh, power struggles you know, into whatever century, right? So, mm-hmm. so I think that the genre itself, as written by by white people, is is inherently limited. Um, but we derived a lot of pleasure from just like picking it apart. So I'm I'm just gonna like forget how it was intended. I'm gonna think about the enjoyment <laughs> that we derived, and I'm gonna go with three. I'm not gonna be as generous as you, but I, I'm gonna say three whiny Wesleys, just because like. You know, we got to like, we got to cuss out a lot of a lot of things there, and that was kind of fun. So yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, we we sound really like angry and embittered throughout yeah. that whole episode, but we came out of it, I think, both feeling really good. Yeah, it was it was a bit cathartic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Like, just totally like Indian was. therapy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I guess that's it for uh, season one. Oh my gosh. It's been a long journey since August. Yeah. Uh, and we've been having a really good time. And yeah, and sorry about that, that big delay. There was like a warp in Indian space time, you know? Like, yeah, whatever. You know. But season two is going to start right away, so. Yeah, exactly. There you are. Yeah, so uh, keep your ears tuned and your radio antennae pointed at the sky for season two of Métis in Space! Space! Space, 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 space. Awesome. 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 Awesome.